0: Welcome to the AMT Tech Trans Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing, technology, research, and news. I am the director of pizza, and I'm here with...
1: Chief of pizza, test and inspection, (laughs) Stephen Lamarca.
0: Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, We'll get to our sponsor in a little bit, but today's uh, episode is sponsored by AM Radio. Uh, We're coming up on winter. We're still in fall. Yeah. Are you ready for snow?
1: Um, instinctually and having been conditioned in my childhood, I'm always ready for snow. You're snow right. always makes me happy. There's, I can't, ex- I, well, I can't explain it. I won't. I'll save you that, that long winded story. <laughs> I love my body loves seeing snow. I love the cold. I prefer the cold to the hot, the heat. Okay. As a motor enthusiast and a performance vehicle enthusiast. I hate the snow. <laughs> like like th- right, but it's a right. new thing. Ever yeah, since I've yeah. got like my dream car and I've had motorcycles, now sure. I dislike the snow. I like anything that sullies the integrity of road surface.
0: The only auto enthusiasts that like the snow are our Subaru owners.
1: Subaru owners. <laughs> And, um, you know, uh, Evo owners, RIP, they, they don't exist anymore. They don't, they don't. There's <laughs> transmissions Certainly don't oh. <laughs> won't womp, womp. Although, uh, unless <laughs> it's the five speeds, doesn't, isn't the focus, uh, all wheel drive. The focus RS is RS. Yeah. And you know, they, just like the Evo went the way the ghost oh, gave up it? the ghost. Oh yeah. They don't make that anymore. And they're certainly not going to make it in the U S anymore.
0: No, no, no. I'm not Ford talking about doesn't
1: make cars. <laughs> A lot
0: of zings today. No, but they revamped. Is it the ST and the RS version? What's their... They
1: probably uh, revamped. Did they? Is there a new RS? I don't think there's a new We need to move RS. on. I don't know.
0: Speaking but, of weather... This will require some research. <laughs> you're not a big fan of being under underwater either. I am not a big fan of... Hurricane anything. Ian just came through. I'm oh, about.
1: man. Yeah. So, okay. So, speaking of weather. Yeah. Hurricane Ian, you know, a while back tore through Florida. And, you know, I love... Okay, that sounds really mean, but I feel like hurricanes going through Florida separate the boys from the men, so to speak, (laughs) because you have all of like, you know, the people who flock to uh, Florida to evade taxes. And as like, you know, a tax haven or or do something dumb, like retire and like, you know, (laughs) with with climates that are good enough to preserve cigars, you know, (laughs) you know, they're there. Not because they're natives, correct? but like I know a handful of like Florida natives who are like born and raised and will never leave Florida sure, and don't have matching political views (laughs) with Florida and like they hunker down and sure, their houses will take in a little bit of water, but like they're prepared for it. They're insured for it. Everything's fine. It's just to them. It's just a bad storm. Right. Massacres and like bad things only happen to like people who. You know, already have too much money and are there with like their third <laughs> vacation house and you know oh no sure. i lost your yacht no it wasn't a yacht it didn't have a helicopter pad you had a boat like, <laughs> like you're okay <laughs> you're gonna be fine um now there are some people who like you know can't afford housing and at least safe housing and right. don't have their you know eggs in order and i feel terrible for them right and i hope everything's gonna be was okay after all of that. But anyway, let's bring this back up to a a better mood. Um, Hurricane Ian moved up north, you know, moved inland as Mm -hmm. it always does. And it came up the coast. Um, And I, you know, I had a week of vacation, you know, a week after IMTS, because, you know, we all needed to recover from that one. It was great to be back in the saddle. um, But after four years of not having an IMTS, Man, I was not expected to be as pooped as I was. Right. We went over this last episode. Um anyway, I took the week off not immediately after IMTs cuz I knew I'd be drained, right. but the week after and I thought, "Man, the weather's going to be great. It's mm-hmm. finally getting cool. I am going to ride like my motorcycle the entire week." Right. I did not. <laughs> I did none of it. And by the time I finally had energy, right, like I wasn't I was no longer exhausted and ready to ride. Yep. Ian was there. <laughs> so anyway. We have two strikes Ian against finally you. <laughs> Yes. Ian finally has, you know, keep, kept going north and, and the, the road surf, the beautiful road surfaces have finally dried up. Right. And I made the yesterday it was still rainy, but now it's a beautiful day. And um, I made the mistake of going home yesterday, t- taking a long nap on the couch. And I woke up with a. <laughs> Terrible back and neck, so <laughs> I've been taking it easy today so and the, haven't been able to get as many miles as I want. So, so yeah, that's the weather screwing everything up for you.
0: Between the weather and your age, things are not looking good. <laughs> no, they're really not. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, so um, you know, coming back from Chicago, yeah, pizza,
1: pizza.
0: I'm a big so we've been. I've been experimenting. I've been thinking about making my own dough. I would I make <gasps> my own pasta dough. Yes. So I mean, okay. uh, Deepa and Amelia make their own um, bread. Mm-hmm. I haven't got on yet, Gotten into that scene just yet.
1: I um, love like you guys are a model family. I love <laughs> that your entire family is involved in the cooking. It's fun, including Amelia. That's adorable. She loves kneading dough. That's awesome. And I get that the
0: next thing we've been thinking about is making our own pizza crust, pizza dough, which yeah. is fair. It's fairly straightforward, but yeah. uh, as and you a don't short, want to overwork it, you don't. Want, yeah, that's fair. You don't want to overwork it, but as a short term uh, fix, I've been experimenting different type of crust. So I've been using non. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a pizza crust or a pizza dough. Right. So just pre-cooked naan, put some cheese on it, slap that in the oven and luckily just cook it just enough so it, get, it cooks the toppings and it, it's it's a good
1: substitute. It's
0: fantastic. I recommend I an experiment, And it's a perfect size, you know, that one single size naan for one person. Best yeah. pizza that you can make at home.
1: There is a, um, during the pandemic, there was a certain uh, sports news outlet, very opinionated sports news outlet that goes by Barstool Sports, and their CEO <laughs> Nate Portnoy, during the uh, the uh, pandemic, did an amazing one bite pizza reviews, uh-huh. and he had some beef with a small pizza company. Well, actually, a huge company. They're owned by Nestle, sure. So they are they are food, um, and. Uh, a pizza. He had beef with a pizza company called Jack's because they refused to send him a free pizza to review. (laughs) He gave them the lowest score. He gave them the absolute lowest score. And also, I don't think he cooked it right either because he made (laughs) it look really non appealing. Anyway, it was such a bad review that during the pandemic, I bought one there. It's the cheapest pizza you can get out there and you can get it at gas stations. Jack's pizza. It's like $2.50 for a pizza. Um, The ingredients were like nothing to write home about, but they weren't bad. But I was actually fascinated because to your point of experimenting with pizza crust, uh-huh. it was like somebody made pizza on a large table water cracker, <laughs> like one of those fancy charcuterie board yeah. crackers that have yeah. no flavor whatsoever. It was like that. Yeah. And the the upside to it was you look at the the packaging – Um, or lack thereof and like the nutrition facts you could crush the entire pizza it's only like five six hundred calories the whole pizza yeah that's not bad yeah certainly there's no guilt associated with it two pizzas other than going you know your money going to nestle
0: and you're buying it at a gas station yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we got two uh, another thing we wanted to talk about one was um uh, some online media content that you want to talk about, or do you want to save that for another time? All right. Should or, I keep
1: talking about pizza first? Let's end
0: with let's end, uh, this topic on pizza and save the other one for
1: later. Okay. All right. I'll save. All right. So anyway, we're, we're past IMTS. We're still, the dust is st- still settling, even though I said it was last time. Um, but, but we're past IMTS and I had an awful experience at, not with the pizza, but like at, the actual restaurant, Lou Malnati's. Right. And, you know, I was, I was complaining pretty hard during IMTS and it must've gotten around. But anyway, earlier this week on Tuesday, um, I uh, was over in the exhibitions department at our AMT headquarters. And uh, we're talking about the Lou, like Chicago pizza. Right. And I started getting the craving again. Yep. So I just pulled my phone out right there while talking to all these people, went on to Lou Malnati's, you know, clicked on the the button for ship me a pizza and I threw in an order for two pies. I wanted a sausage pie, and I had just seen an advertisement for a new um collaboration that they're doing with Portillos. Mm. They get an Italian beef, and you can get the Italian beef with sweet peppers or hot peppers. I wanted a hot peppers. Good call. So I got those two pies, a sausage and the Portillos pizza. Allison's right there, and right. she's like, I'm about to click checkout. I've all I whipped out my wallet and my credit card right there. Yep. Allison's like, hey, I want to get in on that. Get me the same ones you got. I nice. want a sausage and a hot hot portillos. Yep. And so without thinking, I just clicked plus one on the quantity list. So just got two two packs. Right. Total came to about like, you know, 150 bucks. Sure. And later, after like the order was confirmed, um, I go back on the website and be like, wait a minute. Maybe I should have just bought, like, is it, is it cheaper if I had bought in a four pack? Oh, right. And I go on there. Sh- sure enough, it's about $40 cheaper. <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, this pizza is expensive, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I call the play because there's no option. Yeah, I created right. a profile and everything. Right. There's no option to like click refund or anything yep. like that. Um they give you a phone number. Okay. I'm like, great. I'm gonna have to wait again. I thought the waiting was over. Like, you know, because I, I waited four hours in Chicago for my Lou Malnati. <laughs> I'm not gonna wait again, go on the phone, the phone, they put me on hold and they're like, Hey, we're, we're taking care of other customers in line first. Um, we'll get around to you. But if you don't want to wait on hold, press this number and we'll call you back at your phone number when somebody is available. And I did that Right. half hour later. Sure enough, it worked. I explained the situation I just explained here to the lady. She's like, yeah, I can't do that like right now. And you won't see like results right away, but everything will be resolved in in 24 hours. Nice. So, you know, I just took the lady's word for it. I was like, thank you so much. Click. Ordered the new four pack, um, assuming that, you know, the last one was going to be refunded. Fast forward to today. Well, actually, just like 45 minutes ago. No joke. I... Checked my bank account. I was refunded the 150 Good. for the initial order. Right. I go on Lou Malnati's website to check on the status of the orders. Right. Because I got another notification that I got two packages at my apartment. Yep. Like the the, the front desk notice, uh, notified me. You got two packages. We put them in the fridge. Come pick them up when you can. And so I'm like, two packages? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be two. That's. Go on the Lou Malnati's website to log into my account. Yep. I see. The most recent order, the four-pack, confirmed, shipped. Oh. And you look at the older order. Confirmed, refunded, shipped. Uh Uh-oh. I'm like, check my bank account again. They did refund me. I've only paid $110, split two ways with Allison. Yep. And – So do you think you got – I think they shipped me two packages. I have since – messaged my girlfriend to go pick up the pizzas at the front desk to verify. Yeah. And I have a feeling we've got 8 pizzas waiting for us. So, Allison and uh Allison and I have hit the jackpot and Melissa is about to call me to let me know that, you know, hey, we've got 8 pizzas on call ready for us. So That's a lot of so pizzas. So we got we, hey, we you know, I guess they must have heard all the complaining at IMTS and they were like, "Hey, we're going to make this right." So I
0: definitely want to know how long it took you to get through four pizzas. When
1: the time comes?
0: When the time comes. And let me know after. Let let the you audience know. You got it. What was your length of period to crush four pizzas? You'd be surprised, you know. No, no. I Melissa won't be, and I, I we, won't can be go surprised. Through, we can
1: go through some pizza. I know. Every now and then we'll have Sean over. Then we really burn through pizza. If it's a
0: gaming night, I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah. Steve, can you tell us about our sponsor today?
1: Our sponsor today is AM radio. AM radio is the new podcast from additive manufacturing media. Join editors, Pete Zielinski, Stephanie Hendrickson, and Julia Heider, as they share stories of companies succeeding with 3d printing today, talk about emerging trends and discuss the future opportunities and potential for AM in the context of the larger manufacturing landscape. That's important. New episodes are published every other week. Subscribe now on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune into Additive. Thanks, Steve. So the first, thanks AM radio.
0: <laughs> the first article I have is uh, the core of it is actually from your friends at Oak Ridge National Labs.
1: I love ORNL.
0: So we got an article from um, Federal News Network, which is our high quality source. Who? Federal News Network. Federal
1: News Network. FFN. Which
0: FNN. Is, which is fair because they are a federally uh, funded a- entity. That's a real thing. The News Network?
1: The F- F-F-N- FNN? Yes. Federal News Network. I didn't even know that was a real I mean, thing. That's a website.
0: <laughs> so they're talking about a new <laughs> material that was, uh, uh, Oak Ridge helped develop. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. They develop a new. Uh, I love
1: new materials. New type
0: of aluminum. Which is, on surface, you're like, why would I do, develop a new type of aluminum? Oh, I thought you
1: said it was a new type of steel. I made a mistake earlier. Okay. In our new type of aluminum. New <laughs>
0: type of aluminum. It's called uh, dual aluminum, 3D. Du- dual aluminum. No, alum. Thre- D- dual aluminum. 3D. Okay. Uh, so, the main reason that they're targeting, is what they're trying to do is, everyone's shifting towards increasing efficiency and uh, performance. Um, so, we're seeing... We are seeing heavier cars. but we are seeing like a shift in like the lower threshold of power. Like, you know, the hyper cars nowadays. Yeah. Easily crushing 2000 horsepower, which yeah. is unheard of, you know, 10 years ago.
1: And it's unneeded. Unneeded. Yeah. Like, Don't get me wrong. We all have like that inner little kid that's like, <laughs> see how much power we can <laughs> stuff in it. Right. But then you get older. And if you're an enthusiast, you get older and you realize 300 to 450 is yeah. really that perfect range. Yeah.
0: But the ability for cars to make over 1,000 horsepower. Like, remember the Bugatti was like what the, for earlier ones to do 1,001 horsepower. Yeah. But now every other company has something that's above 1,000 horsepower. Yeah. So the ability, so there's that side of it, but also on the um, efficiency side, just reduce weight. That'll get you right. increased efficiency, increased performance. On, Colin
1: Chapman. Yeah, exactly. Colin Chapman, he said – he said, um, "Increasing power will only make you faster in the straights. Right. Reducing weights make you reducing weight makes you faster everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Words to true. live by, man. That's
0: true. Maybe that's next quote for the. Uh, I've
1: already used tech. it. Oh. <laughs> it was like it was like episode one. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so they're, what they're trying to do is uh, mainly for automotive and aerospace, just constant weight reduction. So they're looking at doing is." Aluminum is used extensively in, uh, in those two fields, right? So what they're trying to do is if it's used and if they're trying to use it for 3D printing. So that's where their little nuance is right here. It's this material is specifically geared towards uh, 3D printing aluminum. Uh, so what they're, um, that's the problem that they're trying to solve is anything that is 3D printed out of aluminum currently. Let's improve their um, strength and corrosion resistance. So they can uh, get more performance out of that. So they don't have to shift to like a a higher strength material. So the concern is aluminum at higher temperatures. Yeah. Which aluminum, most materials at room temperature is fantastic. You can go for a variety. But as soon as you start elevating that temperature, you know, the the strength drops off pretty quickly. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to
1: extend that light. It starts to flex as it warms up. Exactly. Which, as you'd imagine, is a problem. Right. When your suspension already varies as (laughs) it warms up and tires and brakes. Like they're at peak performance when they're hot, so you don't need other stuff dropping off in performance exactly. as it gets hot. There's that's too many variables. So
0: the uh, there's a lot of companies that are so with additive and with um, uh, high performance computing. There's uh, a drive to get more and more materials out. Yeah. So in the article they talk about you know so why is it so interesting? Uh, in the end, you know to you know actually get from an idea to you know production run of a new material. Previously, you're talking like 10 to 20 years. Right. You know, you have to get into mill runs. You've got to do a lot of uh, iterative testing on getting the composition correct. Mm-hmm. And this one is a heavily alloyed material. So, it's tons of different types of um, uh, elements in there. Yeah. But what they're able to do is get to full-scale prototype in about 33 months. So, just over a couple of years, they're able to get from idea to uh, a prototype. While That's using, impressive. You know, production means in about 33 months. So, I thought that was a very interesting look at, you know, their... Uh, use of material sciences plus the national labs uh, ability. So they have, you know, x-rays, they've got high, really high end equipment that they don't have to get in line to use, right? So they yeah. produce a lot, do some cross section, get some material science uh, um, uh, analysis on the actual material itself and then keep iterating quickly.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, m- number one, material science always fascinates me and I yep. love hearing about the latest alloys um but number 2 i have noticed being a gearhead that you know you look back in history like in the 70s um it's it just just look at motorcycles you look at like the 70s and 80s uh, well up until like the 80s um motorcycle frames right. were all high tensile tube steel yeah. tubular steel maybe not high tensile but like tubular steel frames Right. and um you know a lot of these tube steel frames were really beautiful like you know the ducatis um uh, trellis frames that they used, uh, the Japanese motorcycles, uh, as, as brilliant as they are not so much pretty looking, but the Japanese were like, I think the first to use, uh, extruded aluminum, uh, twin spar aluminum frames. And it was like super high end and like, you know, high performance. It was going like race bike technology you could buy as, you know, an American citizen without (laughs) needing to to worry about it being road legal. Right. Um, But what's wild is and it's only gotten better. Like you look at those old aluminum twin spar frames from like the 80s. Right. They just look like. Aluminum extrusions, uh, beams yeah. that are just bent around, but it still looks like they're only like formed on one axis, right? Uh, or on one plane. The new ones, like the, well, the more modern ones, actually look shaped. Right. Look like they're to cradle an engine, and that engine is a stressed member. It's part of the frame, yeah. not just an engine, um, which is really cool. But you know, even Ducati themselves, like known for having all for decades have had the most beautiful like tubular steel frames. Everybody loves the trellis frame of like the vintage Ducati monsters. Ducati doesn't use trellis frames anymore. (laughs) They've gone to, um, I don't think they've went to aluminum, but I think they've went to like carbon frames now. Sure. Um, But a lot of people were up in arms, but a lot of other like Japanese companies Mm -hmm. who used to have like the aluminum twin spar frames have come back to high tensile tube steel trellis frames. That's fascinating. So, I have no no idea what's going on, but there's a lot going on with the uh, um, uh, aluminum alloys yeah. and, and, and for frame stuff like this. So it's related and hopefully more I- articles like this from Ornel can give me some insight <laughs> as to what the heck is going on with my hobbies. Do-
0: <laughs> Your hobbies are in question today. <laughs> yeah. Steve, so let's get into uh, an article about um, high volume printing. Yeah. So, let's, so uh, off high that.
1: volume printing is nothing new. Sure. Um, it's it's still exotic. Uh, it's still really cool. Just as, you know, as additive manufacturing is. Um, We've got to see at IMTS a lot of companies, you know, bragging how much material they can throw down onto a part um, in an hour. And, and right. it's very impressive. Now, of course, there is the trade off of you can either put down material fast yep. and have a low surface finish, or you can put it down slow and have it a fine surface finish, but it take forever. Right. Um, a lot of this stuff is usually industry shop talk mm-hmm. and not doesn't ever really reflect towards consumers. However, three in the 3Dprintingindustry.com, Vita 3D unveils a new high-flow extruder, and this is an extruder for consumer 3D printing. Um, it can be used in industrial cause it's quality enough, but typically, it's you know, we're talking plastic filaments, right? That's typically a, a consumer or prosumer market 3d printer, um, using, uh, fused fill, fused filament fabrication systems. Um, so plastic filaments or polymer filaments going through an extruder, but this new extruder that you can put on your home 3d printer. Yep. Over one kilogram of filament per hour. That's a lot of plastic that's in an hour. Of, that's a lot of plastic. Like one kilo, bro. Two, two and a half, 2.2 pounds. 2.2 pounds. In an hour. Like pick up something that's too. That's that's almost. I remember when I was in middle school. <laughs> the last time I set foot in like a weightlifting gym. Yep. Um, our, our gym. My gym teacher said to me. Now listen. Everybody pick up one of them three pound weights. And. You pick it up and it feels like nothing. Right. Well, I mean, it's substantial. Sure, sure. It's three like, It's like this three pound weight, it feels light, right? It's still enough dropped from, you know, chest height to break your big toe. <laughs> so be careful in here. You want
0: to protect your big toe.
1: And so I'm like, dude, uh, I'm reading this article. and it's like, this thing's printing almost enough plastic to break your big toe. That's, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> that's good. To- <laughs> I, <laughs> I appreciate
0: the comparison to something I can uh, relate to.
1: Yeah, dude. I love unit conversions.
0: And and, and it is fun because, um, uh, so like on the consumer level. So I've been doing experimenting printing at the Makerspace in our library. Right. And it's funny. Your public library. Public library, which is, you know, back to the earlier episodes. So cool. My favorite yeah. place to go. So actually yeah. today we're going to the library.
1: Nice. Pick up some new books.
0: Um, I actually, I may pop in the Makerspace too to see what other equipment they have.
1: Yeah, definitely do um, that.
0: I'll see if they can uh, get in on a uh, little Penta machine down there.
1: Get them in on one? On a little... Um, uh, they're so easy to use now. pocket nc yeah
0: oh but um being able to print higher volumes uh is really fascinating so i mean the, the little stuff that i did was um just some trinkets but being able to print uh, larger sizes and something that's a little more functional shifting from consumer stuff that's you know kind of cool to more functional prints and that's one of the cool um uh, th- uh Uh, subreddits that i follow is on 3d printing and people can print like uh cap replacements or stuff that's hard to find Mm -hmm. but still functional right so like if um you know the windshield wiper fluid cap breaks on your car Mm -hmm. things like that are really actually really difficult to find sometimes so being able to you know kind of model something up and then print it and print it just don't tell honda (laughs) they're the only ones with a problem with it that's the only ones with the problem but uh being able to you know do stuff like that which which is kind of matching like the department of defense strategy which is funny because being able to print um you know replacement parts or print at use uh so I wouldn't say you know we're all doing the same thing but being able to prevent That's a good point do functional prints is uh you know we picked, we
1: we picked on the early additive manufacturing efforts on the department of defense like <laughs> you know for printing uh T handle tools <laughs> to adjust the front sight post of an M249 <laughs> squad automatic weapon but um you know at least at least they're not Honda. Good for them. <laughs>
0: At least they're trying. Yeah. See, the. I'm going to skip over one of these articles and jump to this last one here about uh, how to survive and thrive in manufacturing in the 2020s. This is from, um, uh, we'll get to the, the source a little bit, but they talk about a couple of uh, key elements here. Uh, and we'll post a link in the uh, show notes too. So the first one they talk about, uh, they have one, two, three, four main areas, which is taking a step back. It's not just manufacturing, but it's kind of the... Uh, running a business, but I think these are fairly important. So the first one they talk about is nurturing a team and talent, you know, so it's uh, with COVID and all the issues we've had with workforce um, uh, finding people. Yeah. So being able to uh, bring in talent and get them to uh, something highly productive and efficient, I think that's a very valid argument. So they talk about different training programs, uh, apprenticeship, um, working with other companies and entities to help develop training programs. So, mm-hmm. you know, we work in an office, but we also see that, you know, coming out of college, you have, or even out of high school, yeah. you have one set of skills, mm-hmm. but the company needs another. How do you bridge that uh, gap in uh, skills for us?
1: Yeah. I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Everyone did. I, I mean- tell that story all the time. <laughs> like I, I wish I had interned while in college. Yeah, absolutely. To be fair to my advisors and my professors, when somebody goes into the physics a uh, uh, focus of studies, they usually anticipate on you going further into getting a master's <laughs> or a PhD. Sure, sure. You know, nobody really like leaves with a bachelor's of physics <laughs> and just like expects to get a job, yep, yep. you know, so they don't tell, they didn't tell me they to get an internship. That. So I'm not blaming them at all.
0: And I did have a, actually the, my one advisor that I actually asked to have removed and I went to a different advisor. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that that well in school, but to be honest, getting a degree in aerospace engineering, not, not the easiest thing to do. Right. So, uh, I think it was I mean, my, you were
1: doing rocket science.
0: <laughs> I think it was my sophomore year and I was working at that time, working part time. And, um, the, uh, advisor was like, so are you working? I was like, yeah, I got to pay for college somehow. I was like, your grades aren't that good. Maybe you should come back on working. I was like, I, I can't do both here. I can't do one or the other here. Yeah. I'm doing one to support the other. I was like this advisor is not good for me. Get out of here. So I yeah. have to find another advisor.
1: At least you had that excuse, though. I wish somebody like I, I seriously wish somebody had told me to intern. Yeah. My reason for bad grades is just video games. <laughs> yeah. So good for you. That's why you're the director. <laughs> so the uh,
0: next one they talk about is use technology to make technology, which is you know clickbait at best. But mm. uh, some of the subcontexts they talk about in the article is it's fairly useful. So they talk about you know, like automation, right? You're using automation, so it's a shift from relying on human power for everything to yeah. allowing uh technology to uh scale uh the business so I, it, you know the title's interesting but the idea of using especially nowadays how we talked about the ease of implementation in the last episode and ease of use so being able to leverage bringing in new technology quickly to get to a higher scale mm-hmm. uh, in the future i think that's a very valid point you know when you talk about not only physical automation but the digital side of things too. So leveraging automatic uh, or a digital collection of, or collection of data right away and getting to dashboards, getting to decision-making very quickly. Uh, but the idea is there's a lot of cool technology out there and how are we using it to improve your business? Um, and you know, they also talk about digital transformation across the board and you know, we're in right. office, but it could easily transform finance, human resources, how we do training. So it's not just the idea of drawing data. It's the idea of connected systems and there's a lot better tools out there now. So yeah, I thought that was very I think
1: that's, that's a really good article and it doesn't get touched too. I like how it opened right off the gate in a sensitive subject, but it didn't linger there. It brought up other good points because I want to go back and touch on that part about nurturing teams and talent. Yep. like, you know, we, we've seen a lot over the past year or two, especially in, and pandemic, I'm tired of bringing up the pandemic, but like, you know, we saw all the nonsense about these, these, exe- these executive management terms right. that have been invented to like, just, you know, make people click on articles. Sure. Like the great resignation. <laughs> um right. Uh, The next one after that was, oh, Quiet Quitting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the the newest one is Loud Laborers. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. I I saw somebody here shared an article in our, our general Slack channel. Right. And it's just like the great resignation, quiet quitting, loud laborers. And it's like it's all putting the blame on like the employees. Right we've got three brand new terms invented in the last year for talking smack. You know, when you finish wiping your tears away with your hundred dollar bills, maybe you should, you know, look in the mirror and be like, could it, could it be the management?
0: (laughs) We need a new term for crappy executives. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And we need to uphold and bolster the good ones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: it, because they need attaboys too. They do. They do.
0: <laughs> and then if I hear another person complaining about people turning on their cameras on calls, that's enough, man. <laughs>
1: Oof. Let's let's ben, move on. I've never I've never <laughs> got that kind of spice from you before. This is, I love this.
0: <laughs> let's let's get into the last two that I have here. So evolving partnerships. So this is uh, other than nurturing teams. So as a, oh, as a manager, I thought you a little, were done. No, no. <laughs> that's cool. We got we got a two more quick things. Um. um evolving partnerships. So manufacturers working with uh, other organizations, so working with universities, working with vocational schools, working with um, Oak Ridge National Labs, working with uh, MEPs. So the idea that companies have to do it on their own is completely false, right? So there's other avenues for them to either develop new technologies, improve their businesses. We're working with Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech works with their local MEP called GenEdge, where companies can figure out or put in projects to say, we want to improve our business. This is the thing we need Virginia Tech to help me solve. And they have undergrads that will help you execute a project. Now they're trying to you're trying to teach undergrads and they're trying to solve your problem. So not everything's going to get solved right away. But that's you know you pay you know five thousand dollars for a year's worth of work. that's that's a deal right there, right? So, right. Uh, the evolving partnerships, I think it's severely underrated. Um, and it does take effort to manage that. but the idea that you know you can leverage people outside your company to help improve your business, I think is underrated. Yeah, And the last thing, Steve, that I want to talk about, it's back to COVID and the ability. So um, a single profile or a portfolio for your business or a single single anything, I think it's, it's gone. The idea of you produce, you produce only stuff for uh, oil and gas or you have this one type of employee, it's mm. gone. So the idea of agile is everything. I think that's a great way that the article ends is that I think going forward, companies that are not flexible to shift to changes in the marketplace or shift to workforce issues or shift to technology as things develop, those things, those companies yeah. will go by the wayside pretty quickly.
1: Right. Right. I mean, talk to any new employee, they know this.
0: Yeah. New employees
1: yeah. know this, you know, you when when, when you're job hunting, do you start interviewing with just one company and just like, all right, this is it. We've got the interview. <laughs> exactly. You know, no, you don't put all your eggs in the one basket. You no. need that agility. You yep. need to be able to, and it, and you definitely, let's say that interview, even though it's just your only one, let's say it does go far. Don't you want a bargaining chip and say like, <laughs> well, this employer, this potential employer is offering me this much. That's right. You want that bargaining chip. You want to see what's out there. And if they there. tell you to go pound sand, it's like, all right, I'll go pound sand at the other interview. <laughs> <Your> agility <laughs> is everything. Exactly.
0: And on that note, Steve that was a great episode. too many comfy managers <laughs> what else we got
1: is that it for <laughs> no, now let's 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 we're, we've gone long we've gotten we've got a good heat level let's go. here
0: just right now right amount of boil yes yes <laughs> where can they find more info about us
1: amtonline.org slash resources thanks Steve. bye everybody bye